Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hello, I'm Richard Sumner, a partner in the London office of Hydric and Struggles and a member of the Global Consumer Practice. In today's podcast, I'm speaking to Brett Gosper, the Chief Executive of World Rugby, the world governing body for the sport of rugby and rugby sevens. A former rugby player himself, Brett had a long career in advertising with senior leadership roles for agencies such as TBWA and McCann Erickson. He was appointed the CEO of the International Rugby Board in 2012 and during his tenure, he has led its successful repositioning as World Rugby. Brett, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to speak to it's us nice today. Nice to be here. Thank you. So, rugby back in the Olympics in 2016, record-breaking World Cup in 2015. You must be pretty pleased with where the sport is today. Yeah, the sport is in, in very good shape, uh, generally. Um, we measure its success in an um, on a number of criteria in terms of participation numbers, which have probably doubled, in fact, a little bit more than that, doubled since we were announced in the Olympics in 2009. So we're about 9.2 million participants and of course our fan base which we didn't measure before I arrived but we've started to measure through research across the the world um, grows significantly at each Olympic Games and at each Rugby World Cup and that's in a very positive place. Women now 25% of the playing population um, and generally the World Cup which is our major property probably doubling in profit. We think our profits in Rugby World Cup in France in 2023 will be double that of England only eight years before to around 370 to 400 million pounds uh, for the event. So, you know, lots of good trajectory in a lot of different areas that indicate that the sport is is thriving globally. How did you find the transition of coming into a sports organisation? It, it was a transition. It was a bit of a, a, a discovery in some ways. I, I was a modest rugby player so I did know and understand the language of rugby which I think helped a lot so I was transitioning into a sport that I had a bit of an affinity with and some experience with um, but very different from running an advertising agency I guess you dr- I drew on my skills as an advertising person which is to go into an organization ask the right questions try to understand both the culture of the place its business model um, and so uh, almost the job I walked into was I treated it a bit like it was a client and I was looking at it and thinking, what does this place need? Um, w- w- as I would if I was walking into a client organisation. So, and what did it need on arrival? Um, I, I think when I, f- uh, to be fair, a very strong organisation already with, with some very committed, hardworking people, also on a, on a, on a, on a very good trajectory as a, as a business. I wanted to move the needle a bit from regulation to inspiration over the time and that it had to be a more creative organisation. Um, it had to uh, read and judge the future and plan to that in a more creative way. When you're in a sports organisation, you tend to, every four years, be confronted by a big event, whether it be Olympics yeah. every every four or, or your World Cup. And so you you tend to head back to what you did four years ago with a, with a little bit of an adjustment. And and I think you know, we, we, we re-looked the way we were presenting ourselves as a brand we 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 the organization was called the international rugby board or the irb we decided for all sorts of marketing and outward facing reasons we would change our name to world rugby we'd act a lot more like an inspirational brand we would 
create a community of people um, that an, a movement in effect that people wanted to be part of rather than a group of people sitting in a room making decisions about a sport and so the movement from IRB to world rugby as an entity not just helped us with our marketing facing social media handles and naming of tournaments and product and so on it made it a very inclusive uh, brand that actually when we spoke people knew who who we were as well yeah that we were the we were the voice of brand rugby, in fact, which the IRB never was. Uh, and, and I don't think people were talking in terms of brand rugby before. And that proximity between the governing body as world rugby and brand rugby, the sport that we, that is our mission to grow, becomes a very aligned, uh, two, two very aligned entities that actually become one now. Do you have a long-term vision for the sport at that time? Uh, well, I think we we had some long term goals. Yeah, there is, there is a vision that's articulated. You know, it's, it is a, it is a sport for all, and I think that aspect of it, the growth of whether it be geographies, whether it be uh, women, whether it be at the grassroots level and the the elite level, um, is 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 a very important vision for the sport. Then actually executing is what 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 seemed to be the most important element. And as the leader of world rugby, what's been the biggest challenge for your leadership within that time? Well, I think in that time, probably those early few months where you felt you knew a lot more about the business and the structure than you perhaps did. So you, I wouldn't say um, that I bluffed my first 12 months, but certainly there was a bit of that going on. I went through this when I moved from, uh, I was a partner at agency called EuroCG when at Gosper in London and moved from that to McCann Erickson, running McCann Erickson in New York. And when I arrived there, I didn't know if I, if the differences were, you know, an agency that I was a partner in, uh, smaller scale, different culture from a French network, um, in a London-based environment. So when I went to McCann in New York, I could tell it was a very different place. But was that because it was McCann? Was it because of the scale was just so much bigger? Or was it because I was in the USA? Well, it's obviously, it's very hard to separate those things out. Similar thing when you went into World Rugby, or the IRB as it was then, just finding your feet and understanding what you had to do to get a, a rather large machine moving without the normal lines of authority that you'd find in an organisation. Discovering that in a sports world, for a start, you've got a commercial managerial uh, element to it, but you've also got a voted uh, hierarchy, elected uh, hierarchy, which is influencing strategy and other elements of what you're doing. Getting to understand that was the biggest challenge. I think... In an ad agency where you're the CEO and you say, we're going to do this, everyone does it. In Do you think you've cracked it on that challenge? Each project throws up different challenges. In all organizations these days, organizations are very consensual place. You've got to bring a lot of people with you to get something done. There are also regulatory things, no matter what industry you're in as well. You've got to, you've got to bring a lot of people with you. I think the complexity in sport is you've got to bring the normal group of people with you internally in your organization and then stakeholders around the globe because you're operating a little bit as a lead office. But you've then got to bring the politics and the elected side of the business into it as well, which don't always have completely aligned interests with what might be in the business or commercial interests of, of, of the sport as well. And, and it's actually understanding that that's been the biggest challenge. And realizing that for everything you want to get done, there's just that much more effort and complexity than there is in a business results-driven organization. Um, there is another dimension to a sports organization, which I probably underestimated when I first came in. When you think about the future of rugby, what concerns you the most right now? 
Um, the, the, what concerns us the most from a growth point of view is that we are, as a sport, very reliant on certain markets and a, 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 a low number of markets that have the high return end for us. And the sport, from a commercial point of view, broadcast and so on, is very reliant on the United Kingdom media market, very reliant on France and one or two other markets, South Africa and one or two other markets in the Southern Hemisphere. So what is important is that we grow our footprint um, Japan has obviously come on board more recently as well as, as, as another player in that media environment due to the success of their national team at the last World Cup and the fact that they're hosting one going forward. So, so really breaking out of those traditional markets uh, in terms of the rugby, which then drives the media values in some other markets, whether they be USA, Germany, Brazil, uh, markets where we can ensure the growth of the sport. And that's why we spend time visiting and exploring growth, whether it be at the grassroots level, but also getting media interested in places like India, uh, like China, like Russia um, and the USA. And they take up disproportionate amounts of your time versus the returns that the current footprint is giving us from a business perspective. What's the role of digital in the growth of world rugby? Well, digital is critical and, and, and hugely important because, you know, uh, more than a consumer business, it's a fan-based business, which is a consumer, I guess, with a hell of a lot more passion than you're used to dealing with in the in the in the normal consumer workplace. So, uh, you know, our fans feel they own the sport, and therefore, all of your efforts in the mo- the modern digital landscape, whether it be in terms of reaching those people, inspiring new audiences uh, through your social media platforms, and I think I certainly know we're pretty successful in that area of the 35. Olympic recognized sports we're ranked number one in terms of our social media engagement the erosion of pay channel values the the splitting up of the usual traditional linear channels and so on is is, is throwing up challenges as much as it's throwing up opportunities uh, so, so there's it's an interesting time to be in sport because of that dichotomy it is very key to holding audiences in the traditional space very key to driving audiences in the new space you've got to be sure you'd you're playing both of those elements as uh, well. And the new social media space also has an impact in terms of how you communicate as uh, as the leader of World Rugby. Yeah, that that was also something that I chose to do when I started out. In, I'd already been on Twitter, I guess. And I learned as I went along in that, you uh, realise uh, that you can't just uh, tweet willy-nilly. You've got to really have a, a good uh, bit of thought. Bef- it may, maybe makes your tweets a little bit more anodyne. And they were a bit livelier probably in the beginning when uh, I would make the odd mistake. I uh, just underestimated the reaction of certain countries uh, around some of the tweets that I'd done in the past. Maybe I was a bit naive in that certain information channels had to be used up before you used up Twitter and that you just had to keep a few more people informed of what your actions might be before you announced it to the world. Uh, I mean, the one that that comes to mind is when I... I think I tweeted during the World Cup of cricket that England didn't make it through to the uh, knockout phase. And I think I tweeted that that's not something that we'd want to see for the 2015 World Cup. And of course, I meant it's always not a great thing when your host goes out early of a World Cup because you want full state, you want the full passion of the host and so on. But of course, other countries that were in that pool, in particular Wales, the, the <laughs> Welsh public interpreted that as a maybe a bias that I might have had. So uh, 
Um, I, I, under, I understood at the time how that could be interpreted that way, even though it wasn't the case. And continue to think about the future. How do you think your style as a leader will evolve to meet the challenges you're facing? I, well, is my style going to change? I, 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 I doubt. I think, look, this is definitely the era of it's not what you know, it's how fast you learn. And I think if you're a leader in an organization, what you've got to do is make sure you're putting yourself in a situation where you're, you're learning and that you don't ever drink your own Kool-Aid and think you've got all the answers and feel that you've got to tell people you've got all the answers because you're the leader. And I think a good leader has to demonstrate his ability to want to understand more, learn more, and not be embarrassed that he, that he, that he or she doesn't have all the answers to, to everything, but that they're very good at finding out what the alternatives might be and better understanding the environment they're operating in. There'll have been many lessons throughout your career in how you shape a positive business culture. What stands out for you? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, and it's always almost the first, a, a person coming into a new job is that's the time when they're probably most decided and 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 energetic about shaping a culture because they want to demonstrate a step change from what happened before there's been a change in the organization you've come into they've chosen you for a reason they've chosen to change things for a reason the burden on you to make that change is higher but also the ability to do it is higher too so you can make mistakes though in that you've got to be careful to come in to an organization which might already have a strong culture um, and, and might have a good awareness of itself and think you've got to change everything because you haven't really evaluated how people are feeling and what's going on. And just because you're new, you think everyone wants to change everything. So you've, got to, you've really got to do your homework, I, I, I think, is the, is the main thing. And, and work out what's strong about that organisation as much as what you can add to it and what is strong about its culture because it'll, it, it will have a, a, a very strong culture that you're either going to shape in some way, add to, take away, modify a bit, but it will be there, it'll be very strong, and it's best that you work with that culture to make your change um, rather than say, I'm going to start from a fresh sheet of paper, which is going to set you a task which just might distract you from some things that are more important. What was strong about World Rugby's culture in that context? I think what was positive and strong about World Rugby culture is that it is a values-based sport. As an organisation, they've taken those values that are in the sport that we kind of define as a territory, which is our brand positioning around the fact the sport is character building, that there are values that underpin the territory of character for the brand rugby. And what's great about working in sport is sometimes when you're looking to give people within your organization a, a higher purpose beyond just selling what you're selling or, or achieving some commercial targets, to have a higher purpose in sport almost exists there. Everyone knows that we're here to develop a sport which they love. Everyone knows that developing any sport is good for society. Everyone knows that sport is also a potentially a life-changing thing for many kids, people that, 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 that play sport, men, women, girls, um, and that that higher pur purpose in a way is baked into, into what you're doing. I mean, sport is about life skills. And although we wouldn't consider ourselves a charity, it is a close cousin of, a, of charities in a way because... All of the money we make in the, in what we do goes back into communities and back into promoting things that are healthy for minds and body, which is which which is in this case rugby. Must be motivating for you as well. Yeah, great, great motivating. I mean, it's it's wonderful for me because I was obviously in love with the sport before I worked in it, 
So for me to walk into a meeting every day and talk about rugby is a bit of a gift, actually. That um, I wouldn't tell my bosses that I do it for free, but I <laughs> but I do feel I do feel privileged that I get that opportunity every day. And you mix with good people, and you're working on things which are making a positive impact in in societies in you know over 150 countries around the world, which is which is great. Well, Brett, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.